Welcome to the Freedom Nation podcast with Jeff Kickle. On this show, Jeff shares his expertise in financial and retirement planning from a different perspective. Planning for your Freedom Day, which is the first day that you wake up and have enough income or assets and do not have to go to work that day. Learn how to calculate what you need, how to generate income sources, and listen to interviews from others who've done it themselves. Get ready to experience your own Freedom Day. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Freedom Nation podcast. It's Jeff here once again. And today I have a really cool uh, guest on the show. We're going to talk a little bit about how she started her business. Um, she was somewhat like me in the fact that uh, she started, had a long corporate career before she started her own business and really uh, has a, a very interesting story. So welcome to the show, Gail Davis. Thank you so much, Jeff. It's great to meet you. And uh, I love what you're doing with the Freedom Day concept. It's great. Thank you. I'm super excited to, to share your story. We, I, I got a little preview of her story today and, and was doing a little pre-interview stuff. And uh, this is, this is going to be a fun story. And for those of you that have had a long corporate career and you're looking at, well, I don't know if I could do something like this. This is where you show your passion and you get to see. So, Gail, first off, why don't we start off? Why don't you tell us a little bit about your story, how you got to where you're at today? Okay, love to do that. When I graduated from the University of Oklahoma, I went to work immediately for Electronic Data Systems, mm -hmm. EDS. And the company doesn't really exist today, but <laughs> its claim to fame is that it was founded by Ross Perot. And honestly, I had a spectacular 20-year career, 20 career there. I was exposed to so much. I'm from a small town in Oklahoma. I'm not sure I even knew what a corporation was before I went to college or what the initial CEO stood for, much less publicly held company, um, you know, stock exchange symbols. So I just learned a tremendous amount working there and did a variety of things I was in corporate training. I was a corporate recruiter. I was in provider relations. I did a lot of different things and uh, really enjoyed the experience. The last job that I had at EDS, and it's funny because people are like, wow, 20 years, same company. But if you look, it was a lot of different jobs under yeah. the same umbrella. But the last one was I managed corporate events for EDS. And this included their sales incentive program where they recognized top performers. And right. I loved it because I got to pick the location and I got to pick the entertainment. I got to pick the gifts. I got to pick the excursions and I got to pick the speakers. So I did this for a number of years and I just found it very rewarding to reward the people that brought the revenue into the company. And in 1994, we were on our final night at our inner circle event, and the chairman of the company asked me, who are we going to have as our keynote speaker next year? And honestly, I'm thinking, holy cow, can't we enjoy this staff party and talk about this next week? <laughs> but you know, that's not how the game works. So I was like, well, we're going to Hawaii. I haven't started working on the keynote speaker. Why do you ask? Hmm. And he said, because I want someone new and different. I want someone that's global in their appeal. Mm -hmm. I want someone that everyone would like to hear, but no one's heard. 
And I was like, okay. And that was very much the EDS culture. Map out the impossible, throw it out there. And and those who've got what it takes, they're going to make it happen, you know? Ross Perot in a nutshell. That's Perot in a nutshell. So, you know, he went on to say something that's very interesting. And this hasn't changed. He said, as the CEO of a Fortune 500 company, I see the same people over and over. And this was 94. And I remember him saying, next year, I will see Colin Powell, Madeline Albright, and um, Schwarzkopf three times each. And Mm -hmm. he's like, you've got to find something different. So that's the setup. Uh, Turns into a Friday night. Go to the video store. Remember VHS tapes where you go look at them alphabetically? Blockbuster. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Pick up your little Caesars pizza, no plug, and then go in and get your video. Well, it started with the A's. And one yeah. of the first movies I saw was Alive. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to see that movie, but I think it was in the theater all of about five minutes. So I grabbed yeah. it and took it home. And at the time I was married, and my former husband, literally 10 minutes into the movie, said, this is who you're looking for. And I thought, for what? And he goes, this would be perfect for inner circle. And I'm like, really? Why? And he goes, oh, this would just be so great. And I go, Ethan Hawke? And he goes, no, not Ethan Hawke, the real guy. And I was like, hmm, I don't know. (laughs) But two hours later, later, when that wide angle shot had the stainless steel cross and Aaron Neville singing Ave Maria, I was sold. And so I went flying over to EDS and pitched the idea to the chairman. He goes, I like it. I like the direction you're headed. You know, see if you can make it happen. Well, the key part of this Freedom Day journey here is this was 94 and there was no Google. Today, it would be so easy to look up, you know, who did Ethan Hawke play in the movie a lot? Not yeah. Prado. Phone number, not Prado. I mean, today yeah. wouldn't even be hard. Back then, it was a big deal. So fortunately, I had relationships in many speakers bureaus. I called them all, told them what I was trying to do, got very discouraging comments from them. Comments like, just because they made a movie about someone doesn't make them a good speaker. True. Just because they write a book about someone or just because someone writes a book doesn't make them a good speaker. True. But I had also rented a live 20 years later. And oh. I had seen the real Nando Parado interview. I can tell this story, like take up your entire podcast. I'll fast forward to, um, it wasn't easy. I had to do a lot of tracking down. I had to use my Spanish skills. I had to call some numbers, recall some numbers. I finally connected with Nando. Mm-hmm. And when I invited him, he was like, you know, you sound like a nice person, but I don't want to be on the speaking circuit. You know, like, <laughs> I didn't plane crash my sister, my five best friends. I'm really not interested in it. I convinced him to let me send him some information. I don't want to put you on the circuit. I just need you for my event. Yeah, I just yeah. That's it. Ha ha, 27 years later. And um, I I talked him into it. I sent him uh, the book that Kim Follett wrote about Ross's rescue of two employees in Tehran. Yep. I sent him an annual report. It didn't hurt that we were going to the Ritz-Carlton in Maui. And, you know, just all things kind of lined up and I talked him into it and, oh my gosh, I still remember that presentation. Uh, it will always be my favorite. And it mm-hmm. it was so raw and rusty compared to what he does today Yeah, uh, because he literally used an overhead projector 
Wow. These clear transparencies where he drew stick figures with vis-a-vis pins. <laughs> um, bottom line, you could hear a pin drop. And when he finished, people bolted out of their chairs with the most rousing standing ovation. And the chairman of the company comes over to me and he puts his arm around me and he goes, you know what, kid, you should retire. <laughs> and I was 37 years old and I looked at him and said, retire and said, never going to outdo this. So how did I get here? Well, as Nando was leaving, he said, you should come visit us sometime in Uruguay. We've had such a wonderful mm-hmm. experience. I took a trip with my mother, my father, my two children, my former husband. We all go to Uruguay. We became friends. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, I won't do this for anyone but you, and I won't do it more than six times a year, but if you want, we can try it. So I arranged a deal where I took a salary reduction and I went part-time at EDS. Mm-hmm. And I tried to do this on the side. The problem with the culture at EDS is it doesn't really matter what you're getting paid to do. The mentality is anything but part-time. Yeah. So it was really hard to make a go of it. And then about... Four years later, the chairman of the company left. My boss and mentor died. The opportunity just presented itself to take the risk. And Mm -hmm. and it was a risk for somebody who is super, um, oh, I don't know, risk adverse. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I just want to make sure I have my ducks in a row. You know, Um, it was a big thing to say, well, I think I'll do this. And I did it. And, And one thing that's funny I can remember we would go to parties or a soccer game and we would meet new people and they would say, what do you do? And out of my mouth would come, oh, I used to work for EDS. I worked at EDS for 20 years. It took me so long to let that identity go and call myself an entrepreneur or talk about what I was doing. I find that really, really interesting. Well, that, that's how I got were, started. I decided that was your identity for so many years. I mean, it was, it, it was. It was for me very much the same way. The one of the first financial services firm I've worked there 17 years, you know, and I remember I remember leaving there and going to work for the biggest competitor. And I'll, I would I'd sit there in meetings and I'm like, well, hey, at the other company, we did blah. And all you to hear is, oh, God, yeah. here he goes again. Here he yeah. Goes. It's like, well, we were kind of successful. So you might want to listen to what yeah. we we're doing, but okay. <laughs> That's awesome. So let's talk a little bit about what you do. I mean, you you got Nando going. Um, so talk a little bit about uh, about GDA speakers and and what it is you do. Okay. So it was sort of a flawed business plan, to be totally honest with you, because I had one speaker who didn't want to speak more than six times a year. Um, <laughs> What I do is I own a speaker's bureau and mm-hmm. it's a, it's a funny name. You know, I, people are always like, what is the speaker's bureau? And I'm like, uh, I guess it's like a big bureau with a bunch of speakers and you open the door. And <laughs> I don't know. We um, put one out when we need one. I don't yeah, know. I, I think I often compare it to real estate. You know, the houses are the speakers okay. and the people that the buyers are the people that need the house, you know? Yeah. Or I have an extensive background as a former recruiter when I was at EDS. So the speakers are the resumes and the clients are the people trying to fill the need. So it's Mm -hmm. that kind of a thing. You're a broker, you're an agent. But for me, it's like I landed in my sweet spot. You know, I planned corporate events. So Mm -hmm. when I'm on the phone, I'm so energized. I know all the properties all over the world. I know all the ballrooms all over the world. And I know the pressure 
mm-hmm. of trying to make a speaker selection and make sure your C-suite's happy. So yeah. I'm very, very comfortable in it and I love it. And so, you know, I started with one speaker in 1999 and we now have close to 5,000. Nice. And we had to really develop this triage approach about probably been almost 10 years ago because I realized we can't keep information current on 5,000 speakers. So we have this high priority speakers and those are speakers we have a relationship with, their information is current. We get great feedback from our clients. And those are the ones that in my perfect world, they're the only ones we'd work with. It's a very small niche number, but you obviously can't scale, grow and meet the ongoing needs of your clients. Mm-hmm. without having some new things. So we also have a very select group of radar speakers. And these are people that are on our radar. They either wrote a New York Times bestselling book, our clients recommended them, or we lost business to them because mm-hmm. we didn't know about them. And that's the other group. And then over the course of you know almost 24 years, some people that we've worked with have had to sort of be retired into the low priority for a variety of reasons, health reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them just don't want to do it anymore. You know, we lost a lot of speakers during COVID. They were like, yeah. you know what? maybe this is my sign. I don't want to learn virtual and I don't really want to come back whenever this thing's over. So mm-hmm. it it has changed and morphed. Um, but that that's what I do. I represent all those speakers, but because of my background, our agency tends to be really client focused. Like Something that I'm so proud of is when I write someone a thank you note and I say, thank you for being with us for 24 years. And I have people that have never left. And that's my goal. Once you come on board, man, we're not going to mess it up because our goal is just to keep people and have them coming back. I love that. I love that. So, you know, for a typical speaker, you know, when you're out there looking for speakers, what's you know, if somebody is wanting to be a speaker, what is the kind of what attracts you to them? That answer has changed over the years. Okay. Because obviously in 1994, my mission was to find someone new and different that no one had heard of. Yeah. So that I used to be very much all about finding the up and coming in the new. Mm-hmm. But as my company scaled, as my obligation scaled, as my staff scaled, I don't, that's really not what I do. Yeah. So now I'm more drawn to people that are recommended to me by clients, mm-hmm. that are recommended to me by speakers that I trust. Um, I love an up-and-comer. I do. My whole business was built on that. Mm-hmm. But that's not what I'm doing right now. As a matter of fact, some of these relationships I have are so long, so high profile, I couldn't risk putting an up and comer out there unless I had seen them and worked with them. And I just don't have the bandwidth to do that. So yeah. today, what gets my attention, I go to a lot of things in our industry. Nothing gets my attention like hearing a speaker and going, I like that person. I want to know more about them. That's the best. Um, but second to that would be someone that I respect, that I've worked with a lot. I can think of one speaker that I've booked over a hundred times and he frequently will say, Hey, do you know about so-and-so? And I'll be like, no, it's like, you should. When this particular speaker says that, that doesn't fall on deaf ears. That's, yeah. that's very important to me. Likewise, if I'm talking to a client who traditionally books their speakers with us and says, Hey, I, 
And a lot of them will say, I don't want to bug you because I know everybody wants to be a speaker, but really, Gail, I heard this person and they're really good. That also is a great way to get our attention. Cool. I love that. Um, so is there anything new in your world that you're doing now? Or, um, You know, it's funny. I guess the new is where it all started, and that is with Nando Parado. So yeah. um, we are currently very close to the 50th anniversary of the rescue oh, of cool. the plane crash in the Andes. So it happened in 1972. Okay. So this has been an eventful fall because the plane crash occurred on October 13th, 1972, mm-hmm. and the rescue will be on December 22nd. Okay. So the 50 years is a thing. But more important than that, ABC News is going to Uruguay next month, and they will be filming a primetime special, which once it airs in April or May, it will reside on Hulu. So that's really cool. And then in addition to that, the icing on the cake is there is a new film that will come out on Netflix next year probably in Q1, Q2 at the latest, by Oscar-nominated director J.A. Vignona, and it's called Mm. Society of the Snow. So it's a retelling Mm. of the movie, of the book, Alive. So it's funny because on the one hand, you know, those are my roots. That's how I got started almost 25 years ago. But also it's what we're very much abuzz and excited about right now because it it is new. Well, it is. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, sharing it with a whole nother generation. Cause I, that is such a good point, Jeff. So many people have said that, you know, they're like, there's a whole generation that doesn't even know the story. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, unless they like old movies, I mean, they may not, and it's not, it's never been one that was like, Oh my God, it's a cult thing. And everybody wants to see it. I mean, it's a, it's a horrible story, but you know, it's a good story, but a horrible story. story. And I understand this one is maybe going to be, Nando told me, he said, there's, it's, it's going to be tougher to watch. You know, okay. I think this guy's trying, the movie making capabilities today versus yeah. 1992 when that movie was made. I mean, the, the computer generated graphics, the ability, the avalanche, like, it's just, he says that you're going to feel like you're on that plane. So I can't wait to see it. I can't. I don't want to feel like I'm on that plane, but okay, I'll still watch it. But yeah, I enjoyed the first movie, but yeah, I mean, I- I love the first movie too. I've probably seen it 20 times. I love it. That is awesome. All right, well, let's shift gears now. Okay, what are we going to talk about about now? That's fine. All right, you ready? Uh Okay, first question. You wake up in the morning, business is totally gone. You still have the information in your head, 500 bucks in your pocket, laptop, computer, place to live. What are you going to do first? It might surprise you, but I think I would try to become a, a speaker. Nice. Yeah. I, I have so enjoyed the podcast ever since the pandemic hit. Yeah. I have done so many different podcasts and I really get um, very enthusiastic and, and I love sharing that shift from corporate to entrepreneur. Yep. And I also love sharing the message. I know you talk a lot about Freedom Day. And I know there can be a, a correlation to Freedom Day to retirement. Hmm. And I've enjoyed now, sharing my we, we use that We use the no-no symbol when we don't use that, <laughs> the R word ever. Okay, good. Okay. Because 
I mean, for me, I, I tell people like I look at my life in like three acts, you know. Uh-huh. And so act one was like, you know, small town upbringing, went to college, went to work for corporate America, good girl, did what you're supposed to do. Act two, woo, you know, become an <laughs> entrepreneur and create something brand new. And then act three has been where the juice is. Holy yeah. moly. You know, I've gone on the Grand Canyon from rim to rim. 43 miles in Zion. I went to Spain and did 120 miles on the Camino de Santiago. Nice. Ran my first half marathon. So I think it would be fun to speak about those things so that people know that it really, it just keeps getting better, you know? Yeah. So, um, and I, I think, you know, a story of resiliency and, and encouragement for people to think outside the box and do something different. So that's probably what I would do. I love that. Well, it's you, it, there's nothing stopping you from doing it. I guess you're right. I mean, I guess I know a speaker's bureau, right? Yeah, you know a speaker's <laughs> bureau, and I think you got a few connections out there where you can go talk about this to the world. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and I would love to write a book. Okay. Yeah, I'd love to write What's a book. stopping you? Nothing. Yeah, no, nothing. Nothing but time. And I think I'm, you know, the pandemic was a wrinkle. Hmm. It kind of it threw off a few things. Yeah. And I think we've now pretty much got all of our uh, events resolved and we've rebuilt our team. And I think hmm. these things can become more of a priority now. Yeah, that, that had to have been a little bit of a challenge when you uh, when you <laughs> when you you're paid to to get people out there to speak and uh, they can't get out there and speak. So yeah. yeah. I remember one of my first industry calls, someone said don't worry, you know, we've been through something like this before. When 9-11 happened, we couldn't speak. You know, we had this speaking Mm -hmm. stop for a while. And someone said, yeah, but 9-11 was because of terrorists. Yeah. 9-11 was a plane crash. This is a virus that happens when groups of people gather. Yeah. (laughs) And we don't know when we're going to be able to get back. And in order for someone to stand on a stage and get paid to speak, people gather. So we have to have people there. Wow. Yeah, that's a challenge. What's the biggest business mistake that you've ever made? Oh, I think this one's sort of embarrassing to admit, but I, I can I can do it. Now we learn. I can do it. Um, I think that I put a appropriate emphasis on you got to keep the client happy that was very much something I learned at EDS like if you're a service business then you've got to keep your client happy because if you don't you don't you you don't have a reason to exist so I had the appropriate amount of focus on clients Mm -hmm. and then I had the appropriate amount of focus on speakers because if I don't have good solid speaker relationships then I don't have anything to sell and I think initially I sort of went with a two-legged stool, maybe, and it. I knew employees were important. I mean, come on, I've listened to leadership speakers all the time. I read leadership books, but it wasn't until that pandemic happened that I realized I can't do this by myself. Mm-hmm. Clients and speakers can't do it by themselves. I mean, really, the lifeblood, the future, the the juice, the the difference maker is the team that you build. So. I, you know, I don't know if it's a mistake or if it's just that my timeline was a little slow, but um, I, I really get that value right now. That's which, awesome. Like I said, it's slightly embarrassing, but it is what it is. But, it, it, but you don't know until that type of situation. I mean, I, same 
I have, I have employees and, and we had to go through all that too. And I'm in, one of my businesses is in direct contact to the public all the time, which sucked. So yeah. <laughs> what is a good book that you would recommend for our audience? It's a classic, The E-Myth by yep. Michael Gerber. Yep. Yeah. You know, that analogy of the gal that liked making the pies. Yep. You know, and and she, as long as she was going to make the pies, that pie shop wasn't going to get very big. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, a, like I said, it's just a classic, but realizing that my legacy here at GDA Speakers is not me being the end-all, be-all, know-all, everybody has to talk to Gail. And it's, mm-hmm. I'm really proud of the fact that I talk to very few clients. I mean, I know them and I love them, but my team is really on the front lines and they're the ones making that happen. And so what I try to do is pour into them. I look at their proposals every day and I comment on them and say, Ooh, I would have added so-and-so or, Mm -hmm. you know, don't forget this person or why did you add this person? But honestly, some days I can't even find anything to comment on because they've got it. You know, I'll be like, Oh, I need to tell them to add so-and-so. And then I look and that person's there. So I think my role now has shifted from direct client contact over to more mentoring and pouring into the next generation. It's funny. I was, I listened to uh, the new CEO of uh, Lincoln financial earlier this year. I was at a conference and she's so funny because she said, uh, she goes, you know, I've, I've been, cause she basically kind of was the right arm of the, the previous CEO for four years in preparation for this transfer. Wow. He's like, you know, what I realized as I, as I look at what I do every day now, she's like, I'm just absolutely shocked at the limited amount of stuff that I actually do. <laughs> Every day as CEO, she's like, I was busy as anything. And then all of a sudden I slipped into the CEO chair and I don't really do anything besides meet with a few people here and there, but that's a well-run business that, right. you know, if, if you're doing it right, yeah, you should be looking for stuff to do. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. That's awesome. What's the tool that you use in your business every day? Well, I have a personal tool and then my business tool is we have, we developed a custom system, which is our back office. And it was so much fun to create it because Mm -hmm. I wasn't in user and I knew what I wanted. So it's, it's got all the bells and whistles. It has a client portal where clients can log on to get all of their contracts, all of their invoices, all of where their brain trust, all of their booking history. And then speakers can log on to update their own information, which makes Mm -hmm. us more efficient. And instead of a client in Singapore sending an email waiting for us to wake up, to look something up, to respond to them, everybody has access 24-7. So that's that's the tool that we all use. I personally love an app and I'm not even sure how you say it exactly. Captio, C-A-P-T-I-O. Okay. And my friend turned me on to it and it's on my home screen on my phone and I use it all the time. So it's set up to your email address. My email address is already in there. So okay. if I see a link of something that I want to remember, I'm more of an email person. Mm. And you know, it's like when you get a text message, you can't mark it as unread. Mm. So if I get a text I need to handle, I'll just copy, open up Captio and hit send. I don't have to open email. I don't have to type in my email address. It just emails me. Nice. So um, that's one. I bet I use that once or twice a day. It just keeps organized with text messages or links or articles I want to remember to go back and read. 
That is awesome. Yeah, that's it's somewhat similar to it, it's got some of the functionality that Evernote does, but yeah, that yeah. sounds that's actually really cool. Yeah. Love that. All right. Final question. What is your definition of freedom? My definition of freedom is the ability to do what you love. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's not about a bank account or taking big trips, but it's like when my daughter-in-law calls and says, can you take Lake, my two and a half year old granddaughter to ballet on Tuesday? The fact that they live one mile from me <laughs> and that I have created this team that I can be very transparent and say, run in to take Lake to ballet. To me, that's that's like that's what it's all about. So, mm. um, yeah, being able to do what you want. And fortunately for me, being able to make money doing yeah. what I love. I mean, that's another huge freedom because um, I get super energized being on site and we had a lot of really really cool events uh this fall uh we booked speakers for several nonprofit fundraisers which personally i love the mission one is for justice women's shelter and it fights you know domestic violence i love that i love that our community has that organization so to be able to buy a table invite other clients to hear the speaker that we booked that raises money for an organization that helps our community. That's pretty cool. That's, That's freedom, yeah. right? Yeah. And, um, you know, we just have a lot of events like that. We have another company um, that had a women's summit and we mm -hmm. booked three super cool speakers. And I looked at it and I'm like, this is perfect staff development. So our entire team went and spent the day and, you know, the reward of we booked the speakers, the speakers yep. were all awesome. And that is staff development, but it's also learning our industry. So yeah. I think I, I was on to something when I made that leap to leave EDS. I didn't know how good it was going to turn out. Exactly. And and your one client who didn't want to speak. <laughs> he's still right years, there with me. Just he's still on. hanging in there. So. <laughs> Does he still only speak six times a year? Or? You know, it's so funny. Uh, I'm I'm kind of crafty or sly, I guess you would say. Very early on, I was like, now, Nanda, did you mean six speeches or did you mean six trips to the U.S.? So early on, I figured out I could easily turn that six into 12 or 18 if I got some things together. Um, you know, he's very selective. You know, he's, yeah. he, um, you know there's, there are so many demands. He did a mm -hmm. really large conference in Las Vegas last month. Mm -hmm. And with this movie coming out, um, he's going to be really selective. So it, it probably won't be a lot more than that. But I do mm -hmm. think because of the sensitivity of the timing and the, the movie and all that, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes a little more this year, but yeah. uh, as sort of almost like a swan song, because he's got a great life too. He's got grandchildren and they all live near him and he lives, you know, has a house on the ocean and, you know, why wouldn't he, you know, he didn't need about taking his shoes off, walking through TSA, you know, <laughs> that gets old, right? <laughs> yes, it does. But I think yes. we got another good year in us, so hopefully. Well, this will, this will probably be that good one of, hey, you know, you, you it's 50 years later and, and you can really tell that story again. Well, Gail, if, uh, if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, what's the best way? 
Well, our website is GDA, as in mm -hmm. Gail Davidson Associates, gdaspeakers.com. And I think right on our homepage, you can see all the links to our social. We're on Instagram, nice. Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. And um, we have a great marketing team that tries to keep people current on what's going mm -hmm. on. So we invite everybody to follow us on social. Try to be very upbeat and positive about the speakers and what's going on in our world. I love it. Well, Gail, thank you so much for being on. You are just a joy to, to talk to. And I love your story. I mean, it's, oh, thank you. It thank is, you. I hope all is. your listeners find their own version of freedom. Well, and and I think, you know, the, the thing that excited me most was, you know, you're, you're not somebody that, you know, oh, I, I hated my job always. You loved your job mm -hmm. and it just was an opportunity and you took that opportunity and and built a whole nother life and a whole nother crazy segment of, of what you've done. <laughs> okay. Well, Jeff, right, I hope friend. our paths cross again. All right, my friend. Well, thank you very much for taking time today. And we look forward to seeing you folks. As always, every week, we have one of these folks like Gail on. Uh, we do these shows uh, twice a week. Uh, once is one of the interviews. So make sure you are subscribed to the channel wherever you're at whether it's on YouTube or whether it's on the podcast channels. And we will see you back here next time. Thank you for listening to the Freedom Nation podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and all the major channels. Wherever you're listening, please subscribe to the channel and leave a rating and review. If you have friends and family that could benefit from their own Freedom Day, please share with them. Finally, join Freedom Nation by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.